talk about relationships, matter of fact, I have a line that says relationships has been my greatest albatross. However, the book also is is really behind the veil. What I realized when I looked behind the veil of my relationship experiences was I saw the truth. Welcome to Revelations, the place where we communicate truth to power. I am Cole Johnson, and I am so glad you're able to join us. This next guest has love on his mind. No, he he really does. Ladies and gentlemen, the author of Relationship Chronicles and the life coach of Awakening to Love, James A. Valentine. James is his name, and this is his revelation. Thank you, Cole. I appreciate that, my brother. It's a, it's a pleasure uh, to be connected to you, and it's a pleasure to be speaking to uh, your audience today. So thank you very much. Well, it's a pleasure that you're here in front of my audience, and I know that we're going to get a lot of value from you. And uh, as I do with all of my first-time guests, we'll get a feel as to who you are, and we always have to do this. We always have to open the way for our first-time guests. Not only from the East Coast, you come from the nation's capital. So, how was life growing up in DC? Ooh, ooh, boy. Uh, you know what? There was a lot. I feel like there was a lot going on. Um, grew up very poor. That whole government cheese, um, chasing mice and roaches around um, the one bedroom apartment. I slept in the one bedroom. My mother slept on the couch. Um, Ended up moving downstairs to that. We then had two bedrooms, um, but a lot of the same. But for me, there was, um, when I look back in retrospect, there was just a lot of emotional stuff that I was, that I was dealing with, with my parents not being together and who's this new guy that's married to a mother. But otherwise, you know, it was a very, you know, I was always a very intelligent, very smart kid, always had a lot of friends, spent a good deal of time behind closed doors on punishment. Um, but I was just trying to figure out, you know, I just, I just looked back at that time and just trying to figure out life, trying to figure out who I was, who I wanted to be. Yeah, I totally understand that. Uh, uh, what were your ambitions uh, growing up uh, uh, when the teacher asked, all right, James, what do you want to be when you grow up? What was the answer to that question? <laughs> it's funny because we all wanted to be um, football player. Uh, you know, because obviously in, in the community that we grew up in, those were our heroes, football players, basketball players, things of that sort. Um, I think I remember I think I remember mentioning to my father that I want to be a doctor and a lawyer. That might have been just because that was the rehearsed line of what you tell your parents you want to be. Um, essentially, though, 
um, I wanted to be I wanted to be a soldier. I wanted to be I wanted to be a soldier. Um, I think playing with again spending a lot of time behind closed doors, playing with my cowboys and Indians and and then my army men, and so through my imagination, I created you know scenarios where soldiers were heroes, and I wanted to be a soldier. That is interesting. Okay, so you wanted to be the soldier. Uh, which branch, if you if you were to have gone in that direction, which branch would you have gone in? Well, I actually did go in that direction, and the okay. yeah the initial. Uh, thing that I wanted to do because as that evolved and I, you know, got to high school and realized there's something called ROTC and like, Oh, you know, let me, let me get into that, into the, to the mode of the soldier mode through taking ROTC. The ROTC they had at my school was Air Force. So, you know, I eventually wanted to go into the Air Force. I wanted to be a pilot where most people would have, you know, football players and actors lined up on their wall. I had jets lined up on, on my bedroom wall and um, would have actually went in that direction if uh, there wasn't a height requirement at the time. Um, being, a, being a somewhat short guy, um, I was like, dang, I can't, you know, I can't fly the jets and all that other stuff that I want to do. But I wanted to go in the Air Force, but I ended up going into the Army because the next best thing for me was jumping out of Oh, okay. All right. Well, firstly, thank you for your service. Obviously, that goes without saying. Thank you. And Army. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, what did you do basic? And what did you do AIT? Basic was at Fort Horton. Um, AIT was at Fort Benning. Um, Let me make sure I got that right. Because I went from basic... Fort Jackson, South Carolina was basic. Fort Gordon was AIT. And then I went to Fort Benning for, for jump school. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we have a connection because uh, I was also in the Army and I okay. too went to basic at Fort Jackson. Oh, brother. When, when did you yeah. go, if I could ask? Around 1991. I was there in 89. I was at Jackson wow. in 89. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So a little before me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. So uh, what was your MOS? My MOS was 74 golf. And I, share, I, haven't, I haven't shared this with anybody, but when you do your ASVAB test, um, at the moment they tell you to stop, I kept filling out answers until somebody <laughs> recognized so, so apparently I filled out enough answers to qualify for military intelligence. Um, mm-hmm. Started off at 72 Charlie, and then they incorporated with something else and became Sunny for Golf. Did you like jump school? I loved it. I absolutely, which is which is crazy, Cole, because I'm the kind of I was the kind of person that if you put me on the swing and you pushed it too high, I'm like, oh no, hold on, let's stop this right here. <laughs> <laughs> so, so so to be thousands of miles in the sky and. Cause, and actually, the the, the, uh, the jump sergeant made it easy for me because what he said was, either you jump or we push you out. Well, either way, you're going mm. out. But right. it became something that I absolutely loved. Matter of fact, even before, you know, it's all said and done, I love to jump one more time um, in my lifetime now. But I absolutely fell in love with it. Fell in love with it. Mm. Uh, what aspect about jumping did you love? You know, there's a there's a freedom about being up there. It feels like life slows down. Feels like you you. I don't want to say it's 
feels like you're flying, but it just feels like feels like like you are moving at a different pace than life. And there's a there's a level of freedom that comes with that. So that however long, 12 seconds or so of being in the air, um was just it's just amazing. It's, it was just amazing. I, I loved all I loved all of it. And and how long uh, were you in the army? I was in there for two years, from eighty nine to ninety one. So when you come in, your boy was leaving. Oh, okay, all right. Was that by design, or did you want to stay longer? No, nah, I got in trouble. I got my behind in trouble. Um, we went to Saudi Arabia, and mm-hmm. uh, my uh, my my two the two people who were in my barracks in my room with me they left before me. Mm-hmm. So one of them left his car keys, right? Uh-huh. And this it didn't this didn't help much either that that he was um what is called a skinhead and didn't like black folk. Um and I needed transportation to get to a girl's house. So uh-huh. I, I took the keys. He's in he's in Saudi Arabia before me. I took the keys, drive to her place, and the car breaks down. Oh no! And before I can get a chance to get that joker fixed, get it back in place, now I, now they call a meal. So, he, of course, because he went before me, he comes back before me, finds out his car's missing. They locate the car. Guess whose shoes are in the back seat of the car? Um, oh. So now you know. Now they're, they're, they're talking about, um, and I probably could have pushed through it, but be honest with you, call at the same time I was ready to get out. Um, because when I came out, I enrolled in Fayetteville State University. And before all of this, you know, before that aspect of it saw itself through to the end, you know, I enrolled in school and all of that good stuff. I just figured they're going to take some rank from me. Um, but they pulled me out of school because they said, hey, we're going to send you to Honduras. And I, I'm a homebody. Or at that time, I was a homebody. And, you know, enrolling in school and, and trying to further education and trying to be great at some other things. And at any moment's notice, they can pull you and push you, put you anywhere they want to. I was like, nah, my time is up. I'm going to go ahead and let this thing run its course and, and choose the option of getting out. So if there was any one lesson you could say in your uh, army experience that you mm-hmm. took away from you, uh, f- with you, mm-hmm. which I know in, in the two year span, there were many lessons you probably took. Sure. <laughs> Which one lesson would that be? The army did two things for me. The army gave me a level of confidence and assurance of what I was capable of. I, I would always, you know, growing up the way I grew up, I'm always getting in trouble for being bad, low self worth, low self esteem. Uh, we didn't touch on this, but my mother, who was my hero, felt rejected by her. But there was always something innate in me that says you were destined for greatness. That there's, there's, you know, as much as I felt that life was beating me down, there was still a part of me that felt there's some greatness in you. And the army made me realize that, you know, even though the way I got out was was not ideal, that process of being a part of that and doing some amazing things and being looked at in some aspects as a, of a as a leader at times it really built up a level of self-confidence in me um, that I hadn't had before. You know, I still had some trials and errors to, to go through through uh, the rest of my journey in life, but it, just, it gave me a lesson that I was greater than what I, you know, than what I believed I was or, or that, that than what life was showing me at that time. 
um, obviously the, the ideal lesson of, you know, stay away from other people's stuff, but right. you know, it was, it was, it was a lesson in, in, in confidence for me. Mm. Yeah. That's a really powerful lesson. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was definitely because I was conscious of it. I was really conscious of it. I was the, the flag bearer for a while. You know, I was, I was looked at as my fellow soldiers, as a leader. I could stop people from, from getting in trouble or, you know, basic training, what do we call them? Soap parties or whatever. You know, I remember mm-hmm. stopping somebody like, okay, if y'all hit him, y'all gonna have to hit me. And everybody right. backing down um, because of that. And just being, you know, just being viewed in that way, in a way that I had never been viewed before, but mm-hmm. that matched what I what I believe a soldier was when I was playing with my um, toy soldiers and cowboy men when I wanted to become a soldier. I realized everything that I, everything that that meant to me when I was little was what I realized when I was older and going through that experience. Right. Life coach, speaker, and best-selling author James A. Valentine joining me on Revelations. You opened away quite well. And we want to segue now into the next segment, and I call this The Bridge to Prosperity. Mm. I wanted to touch a little more on your home life. Now you mentioned it was a fractured home. So yeah, you talked a little bit about your father uh, and you mentioned a little bit about your mother. Uh, so yeah. tell me uh, how was your family life before you went into the army? It was, it was rough. Call. I mean, it, I, I think it was maybe par for the course for um, the neighborhood that I grew up in. Um, but it was rough. And made even rougher, and I talk about this in, in my book. I think it was rougher for me because I didn't realize this at the time, and I don't think anybody else realized it. But I had an inordinate level of sensitivity that I think was that my brothers didn't have, nobody else. So things affected me more powerfully than than they would have a normal person because because of that. Now, my mother, you know, growing up, it was just in the beginning it was just her and I, and I would. You know, because because that was all I saw and all I knew, that was my hero. And my mother was my mother was gorgeous. My mother was a beautiful, beautiful woman. So I would watch her getting dressed for work and and all of that. Um, and I wanted to be the male version of my mother. I wanted to have that level of style. I wanted to have you know that presence about her. The challenge for me though was my hero rejected me. Um, I never got the I love yous. I never got the the tucking in at night. That meant bedtime for me when I was little. There was no, hey, it's bedtime. That was bedtime. And so, you know, some of the signals you might give a puppy, you know, that was what I had to work with. And, you know, in retrospect, I can see my mother having dealing dealing with her own kind of, you know, issues, mental issues, you know, where she's at. She wasn't with my father and she was in a new state. She was from West Virginia. So she was trying to find her way. And I was just, 
I was just collateral damage in a sense. So, um, you know, I was always viewed as, as the, the bad kid, but really it was about me wanting, there was no conversation. So me being bad was a way for me to get my hero to talk to me because before every spanking, you know what you did. And that, like, that was the, that was as much communication as I ever had with my mother was before I got a woman. So, you know, having grown and matured and become a little bit more intelligent, able to view those things in the correct perspective, I think subconsciously my behavior was to get the attention of my, my hero. Um, as it relates to my dad, my dad, my dad was good in a sense that when he showed up, you know, I can get everything that I couldn't get at home. I can get, you know, I was a big comic book person, get comic books, go here, get the ice cream, get all that good stuff, come back home with cookies and, and cakes and sodas and all juices and all that kind of stuff. But the thing with my father that also played a part in me questioning my worth and me questioning my esteem is that he would say, hey, I'm coming to get you this weekend. And I would have my backpack on, looking out the window or in front of the apartment, waiting, 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 waiting. And then my mother would open up the door and be like, come on, man, come on back. And so, and then I would, the next time I would see him, he would open up a photo album, show me some trip he had been on. Like there's no, you know, there was no communication about why he didn't show up, but he would show me why he didn't show up because he was out gallivanting with some woman or some, you know, experiencing some. But the fact that he told me that he was going to come get me, I had the expectation and, and that hurt, you know, that, that really hurt as a young child. Yeah, I I can imagine dealing with all of that type of rejection. How that could how that could adversely affect you if you haven't dealt with it even to this moment. Sure, but but see your platform. I know you've dealt with it. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. I have no questions that you have. (laughs) I appreciate that. Uh, So uh, talk to me about uh, your college life. Uh, Where did you go, and uh, what did you uh, get a degree in? Well, I did a series of, and, and let me be clear about this. I want everybody to, to know that I didn't graduate high school. Um, I did go to college, but I didn't graduate high school. I went to a series of community colleges that allowed you to enter um, if you showed either life experience or desire to, tr- to really kind of get a degree. Um, so I went to Northern Virginia Community College, went to Prince George's Community College, um, again, I had enrolled briefly in Fayetteville State University, um, but I never walked out with a degree. I never walked out with with a, a degree um, in any college, and I never graduated graduated high school. Though I was, you know, I was always very uh, avid reader, very intelligent. Um, you know, I would, I may, I remember one time I didn't graduate to the next grade. Uh, one year, but I went to summer school and just aced summer school with all A's. Mm. Really, the emotional and mental turmoil of my home life um, really affected because, you know, as I alluded to earlier, I spent a lot of my time behind closed doors on punishment. So mm. when you let me out, mm-hmm. even to go to school, like, I'm not, like, I'm just happy to be out. So hanging around people that were going, Hey, let's go to this. Let's go to. So I was just, you know, I didn't have a good balance in my life. I didn't go, okay, this is my time for play and this is my time for work. It was like, okay, this is the only time I have, so I'm gonna utilize this doing whatever I want to do. Right. 
Yeah. So you took full advantage of being free because, absolutely. well, yeah, you, absolutely. Ex- you experienced very little of that in the home. Yeah, exactly. I, I exactly. totally get that. Exactly. All right. So that's interesting. So you went to college, but didn't graduate from high school. And you went to the military too. That is interesting. Okay. Yeah. Cause, and it's at that time because at the military around 89, they had, um, you could, you could join the military without having, um, a high school diploma. Um, because I, I, well, I went back, I went back to finish out my last year of school. Um, but I think with either the program was either you can join without it or once you join, you have to take GED classes. Um, right. and I can remember in basic training, them calling for those who wanted to take you know, to go to the GED class and me just being silent. I'm like, I'm not going to GED class. Um, <laughs> so the opportunities were, were, were always there. And even and even I've contemplated throughout life um, at certain points to go and just get my GED and just to say I have it. However, because I because, again, I'm I'm someone who is a self-motivated person. I could probably teach some classes. Um, right. on things like neuroscience and quantum physics and things of that sort because of my level of commitment to to studying on my own. So I don't really feel, I mean, the idea of maybe going back to, and our coach talks about this, April, to maybe, you know, I may mess with my daughter and go graduate when she graduates. Um, but otherwise, I don't really see a need for it at this point. Hmm. Okay. All right. Huh. So you went to college, but you didn't graduate, didn't graduate. but, but you got a lot of, well, a, a lot of life experience, a lot of life experience. almost, it could probably equal, if not surpass a lot of what a degree Absolutely. can give you. Yeah. Without a doubt, without a doubt, without a doubt. Now, what I find interesting about you is you have this setup with your home life mm-hmm. uh, growing up mm-hmm. and you dealing with a lot of rejection. Right. So it makes me want to ask a guy who dealt with a lot of rejection growing up, he writes a book called Relationship Chronicles. Yeah. Before I get before I get to the book, mm-hmm. how have your relationships been in life in general? Trash. Absolutely trash. <laughs> it's funny because <laughs> I, I lose all of this in the book, right? I talk mm-hmm. about relationships. Matter of fact, I have a line that says relationships have been my greatest albatross. Um mm-hmm. however the book also is is really behind the veil. I know we're not talking about the book yet, but the book is mm-hmm. uh, what I realized when I looked behind the veil of my relationship experiences was I saw the truth of what was really going on with with um, self condemnation, self self hate, um, lack of love for myself. You no, know, very much influenced by how I grew up and how my how my hero responded to me, how you know, my dad may show up, may not, who knows, um, questioning my worth. And so I always talk about um, every relationship you're experiencing in life reflects you back to you. Mm-hmm. So as high as they would get and go, oh, I met this amazing person and they, you know, they, they love me and I love them. We love spending time with each other. Um, <clears throat> eventually, it always reverted back to what I was used to, which was rejection and and you know not feeling worthy because that's what I was used to. That all the relationships in my life, first of all, mirrored my relationship with my mother, mm-hmm. someone who's emotionally and mentally unavailable, because mm-hmm. that's what love looked like for me. 
That's what I was attracted to. And, be, mm. and, and the same outcome that I experienced growing up is the same outcome that I experienced in my relationships. And I did in my relationships what I couldn't do with my mother in that I would get, I would do some past progressive act or, you know, um, you know, cause I wasn't a very loud, angry person. I'm, you know, wasn't physically abusive or anything like that, but, um, but I was very past progressive in that. Okay. You hurt me. I'm hurt you back kind of thing. So I, it was just, it was just a cycle of the same relationship. It was just my mother with a different face. Ah, hmm. Yeah. I, I, what I have noticed mm-hmm. with all of us, mm-hmm. myself included, mm-hmm. is that uh, it, I'll just strictly take it, just stay with men on this. Mm-hmm. We sent, we tend to gravitate the, uh, toward women who model what our mothers were to Absolutely. us. Absolutely. Good and bad. Good and bad. What I have noticed is the younger we are, Mm-hmm. The more of the bad traits of our mothers we gravitate toward two in women. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You know, and it, and as we get older and we learn more about ourselves, it seems to tend to lean more toward the more positive stuff. Right. But <laughs> you still have the stench of, well, man, my mother was this to me. Right. I mean, it, it right. could be anything. And you, and you still have that in your back of your mind. And, and you almost, when you get to be of age, yeah. you look at a person who is similar to your mother and you're like, no, I, I can't be attracted to her. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. I, that's, I, that's it in a nutshell, basically. It really is. I, I mean, I didn't realize it until actually the book sprung forth from me realizing that, that hold on. Because I, I went back to all the way to high school and I was like, I, I remember uh, coming out of a club or something, some kind of dance or something. There was some young lady sitting on the curb and she was off to herself and da da da. That was attractive to me. You know, she's withdrawn, but because her, you know, her her being withdrawn was attractive to me. But it was also an indication of her, you know, being emotionally mentally unavailable. Um, but yeah, those are kind of, you know, I can go back to all the way to high school and chronicle almost every single relationship matched the profile of my mother. Mm. Yeah. Wow. And it, it always seems to go back to wanting to have that type of love because that is what was modeled for you. Exactly. Because we don't know, Cole, we really, a lot of us really don't know what, like all we have is the picture that we had growing up. So if we're raised in a home where our parents don't love themselves or they don't love one another or, you know, that's what that becomes what love looks like for us. You know, I I used to facilitate a domestic violence class and one of the young men um, said he saw his father beat his mother and he saw his grandfather Mm. beat his grandma. Oh, no. What do you what do you do when all you know is what you know? That's yeah. that's what he knew, mm-hmm. and so that becomes you know that becomes the prism through which the prism through which we see life. The author of Relationship Chronicles, James A. Valentine, joining me on Revelations, and he touched a little bit on the book uh, that that is the bestseller for him 
We're going to dig a little deeper in that in Behind the Purpose. gotten the the genesis or I should say the the um the if you were a phd student the research <laughs> that it took to get the book written right why, uh, why chronicle it no pun intended why chronicle all of this and why put it in a book form because i wanted to share and i wanted to make it available for other people who only was might have been looking at the surface of what was going on in, in their personal life and in their relationships. Because if many of us, when we look on the surface, we go, look what they did to us, what they said about us, um, how they hurt us. Um, we think we're this, you know, we, we think there's nothing wrong with me. I'm this, you know, I'm done everything right. I, I helped them. I was there for them and all of that other stuff. There's another story behind the veil. And mm-hmm. and that's really, you know, and, and I want people to understand that so they can improve their relationship with themselves and with others and really begin to have some true healing in their life. Mm-hmm. You touched on something. The beauty of a relationship is you have to love everything. And it starts with the person that we live with the most Absolutely. ourselves. Absolutely. And I love that you mentioned that. When were you able to say, you know what, James, I really do love who I am. I really love myself. Whew. So here we go. Here's, 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 here's some good juicy stuff here. Um, it happened while I was in jail. Um, I was in jail as a result of a relationship gone awry that took me away from everything that I love. Um, I was in a relationship with, with, with someone. Well, here's the thing, because I, again, I'm very transparent. I was married to uh, my now ex-wife, who, again, another emotionally, mentally unavailable person. And it was a very loveless marriage, right? And so mm-hmm. I made up my mind that, and truthfully, I only I married her because I wanted my daughter to come into the earth having a mother and a father because my mother and father was never married. So right. a lot of things wrong with that. A lot of, you know, mm-hmm. even the, the footing in which we start off is wrong because I married her because I wanted my child to have a mother and father. It had something I didn't have. So, so I, I was wrong in that sense, but also wrong for my, in, in how I viewed my child because it was like I wanted her to live or not live the life that I had. So I didn't see her for who she was. I saw her for who I didn't want her to be. So um, that was, so it was a very loveless marriage. And so I told myself that I'm going to give myself a year. And we hadn't been intimate, had had sex, whatever, for a year. I actually ended up being over, just over a year. Mm-hmm. And I went on Match.com, right? And here's, picture this. I'm here on this couch. 
She's over here on this couch. I'm facing this way. She's facing this way. I'm on Match.com. As, as why we're in the same room, and so I ended up meeting someone who, and again, I talk about this in the book. You attract who you are. In the same situation that I was in, and of course, I told a bunch of lies, like you know, I'm a single father. My aunt comes over and watches my child sometimes. Whole bunch of whole bunch of lies. So, <laughs> so she was going through the same thing. She was going through a divorce. And she wanted to be with her her child's father, but but we had a very passionate um, connection and very passionate relationship. You know, one of those I meet you at home at lunch kind of thing. Um, but eventually, as the story always goes, the outcome is rejection. So she rejects me while I'm in the middle of going through my separation. So because what I would do is I would I would have my visitation with baby girl over at her house while I was looking for a place. So what I started to discover was there all these numbers would pop up, these messages would pop up from other guys and things of that sort. And because I was very passive aggressive, I just wanted to be with her. You know, I let it slide. I, you know, of course I knew whatever she was telling me was a lie, but I'm like, hey, it's, you know, don't, you know, I understand or whatever. I would, wouldn't say anything about it at all. Well, it got to the point where some guy was coming from, I had actually had my own place at this point. So, but some realized some guy was coming from Georgia to spend time with her, spend the weekend with her. So I'm picturing that she's going to say, okay, yeah, I got something going on this weekend, you know, because we spend every weekend together. So my thing was, okay, no problem. My thing was to come for the night, <coughs> let myself in. And then go, hey, there's no, can't lie your way out of this one. Um, you know, you can't, you know, you can't ease your way out of this one. And then just let it go. Mm -hmm. But when I came in and let myself in, house was dark. She was upstairs. Da, da, da. Um, actually crept upstairs. Saw she wasn't. Um, William was like, you know, but still I'm feeling angry. I was giving her some money to get her truck fixed. So I went in some damage to her truck. While I was doing that, she heard me. She came downstairs. Hey, what are you doing? And I'm like, um, you know, I'm here to catch you with the guy, da, da, da. And, and she ended up calling her mother. Um, and her mother said, you know, she asked her mother what she did. She, mother's like, call the police. I'm like, oh, shit. Um, so I kind of walked out. But because we had a relationship, I'm thinking she's not going to call the police. Well, she happened to have a friend who worked in the courthouse who was married to a police officer. The next day, they made her go to the, to the police station and filed charges. Um, ended up getting arrested. And because I'm trying to figure out, hey, what happened? I come to the place. I'm not supposed to come to the place, but I come to the place and they're like, okay, this person is a problem. We're going to lock him up for good. We're going to lock him up for real. Um, because they let me out on personal consciousness. They were like, we're going to lock him up for real. So it was at that time that I had a series of conversations with my, my parents who had been continually telling me, you need to learn to love yourself. You need to learn to love yourself. You need to learn to love yourself. So I'm thinking I got some time. Let me find out what this means. Because first, because this was this was my thought process, Cole. I need to find out what happened, and I need to make sure that never happens again. I need to make sure this never happens again. So some of the books that I had read, I now begin to study. So I, be, I begin to study some spiritual books. I begin to study neuroscience. Begin to study quantum physics. Everything, the foundation of everything I teach 
now and even my book, I begin to study, meditate on it, even took up the practice of meditation because I need to get into here to find out why that was okay. And that's when I really discovered what love really was. That's why my, you know, that's why my, um, my umbrella organization entity is awakening to love because that's exactly what took place at that time. I was, you know, because again, I had just been strengthening, strengthening the pattern of low self-worth, low self-esteem, you're not worth anything, rejection over some 40 years of my life. I, I hadn't been fixing it. I had been strengthening it through attracting the same type of relationship, same type of experiences. But now, now we got to figure this thing out. Right. And so, you know, I, I truly understood. I truly got to a place where I understood that love isn't something that you do. Love isn't really even something that, that, um, you know, isn't something you do. Love isn't really even a feeling. Awakening for awakening to, to love for me is awakening to your true divine self. Because how do you really say you love yourself if you don't even know who you are? So the first part of that journey was discovering who James was and then love, then loving that, which I found out was who James was. Does that make, if that makes sense? Yeah, it, it makes perfect sense. You, you had to take that route to learn who you were and I mean, who you truly were. Absolutely. 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 And, 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 and sometimes when you do that, it, there's bumps, there's bruises and there's scars that, that right. you accumulate along the way. Right. And, and finding yourself can come anywhere. It could come in a car. It can come. It can come in a relationship. It can come uh, being alone. It can come in jail. In your case, it can right. come in any right. way. Power. It can come in church. Any way. But just as long as you find your yourself, yeah. And that understanding of I really love the person that I am. That's really yes. all that matters. Yes. Yes. It's key. It's, it's, it's really, really key. And, and, and my, my argument used to be, man, why did it take me so long? But then I think, you know, then I would always hear a voice say, some, some, some people don't get this. Some people don't get this for their whole life. Yeah. Well, they love a version of themselves that they're really not. Cause even, um, before that time, I referred to that as the false James because I was the past progressive nice guy who, um, wanted your validation, right. needed your validation in, in a sense. And, you know, and so my behavior was really geared around you seeing me as a good person mm-hmm. and not, uh, not really seeing myself that way. So yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's really loving yourself begins with knowing, definitely knowing, knowing who you are. Yeah. And what you actually just described is, uh, knowing yourself and loving yourself is putting away what I call a representative. Yeah. Th- that you yeah. want to put out there. Yeah. And yeah, all of us are guilty of that. All of us are guilty of putting representatives out there. I mean, Absolutely. It, it, I mean, just in relationships in and of itself, that right there is the, the prime, uh, feeding ground for a representative to show because we don't put our, we don't put our, true selves uh, for it. We try to put our best selves for it. Right, right, right. 
Right. And it's under, and it's understandable. I mean, we, <laughs> we don't want to repel the person that we feel as though is attractive, mm-hmm. but, <laughs> but let's be honest. Would you, <laughs> would you roll up in there? Uh, we're crushing your eye. Right. 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 <laughs> House shoes. Right. <laughs> With a wife beater shirt on on a first right. date. Right. No. Right. <laughs> you wouldn't do that. No. You, you want you want to show you want to show the the woman that uh yeah, you know how to dress, you know how to smell and you know how you know how to put on social graces because there is part of a representative that actually is helpful for you to be uh, uh, to be in the world. Right. Exactly. The trick is you have to you have to learn how to merge that with your true self. Yeah, many think okay, the representative has to stay out there because this is what people fell in love with. This is what this woman fell in love with. Right. This is what my friends fell in love with. So we got to keep up this appearance. They they can't see they can't see the the you know what what I truly am behind closed doors. Absolutely. And, and it's, it's, I mean, even when you think about it, and this, this is how I define personality. Matter of fact, this is how personality is defined. First of all, it comes from a Greek word. It means mask. You know, it's, it's what the persona, which, mm-hmm. which is what the Greek actors would wear um, for, you know, for, for acting. So persona, obviously, you know, personality comes from persona. So our personality right. is really about the mask we wear. And we develop that mask based on what we have learned will give us the greatest ability to receive love and the, the greatest ability to uh, not be rejected. So, you know, if I found out that somebody laughed at a joke and, and, and mm-hmm. everyone's drawn to, like I now create a personality around being, you know, class clown or whatever. Um, but whatever we discover will get, will attract to us love and give us the less chance of receiving rejection. That now becomes our personality. And we just strengthen that over the years. And yeah. so, you know, and, and but but loving yourself is really about loving all aspects of you. Yeah, you don't want to show up whether, you know, even even getting on even before even our off, you know, offline conversation about, hey, look, I sometimes use colorful language. Mm-hmm. I accept that about me. I, I'm not gonna get in here and be like a choir boy and be like, yes, yeah, cool. I've been I've had the great life and everyone should come <laughs> in. No, I've I've had some shit that has happened. Right. But it's it's showing up as your authentic self. Loving you is not just loving the the, the parts of you that you consider desirable, but it's, right. it's it's loving the parts of you that you that you or maybe others would consider undesirable. But this right. is what I've learned, Paul, and this is powerful. I, I didn't know this at the time, but this but I knew this. I was committed to being James in every mm-hmm. situation, no matter what it was. I believe that I, you know what I found out that people are drawn to that. People are drawn to the authentic person. I mean, of course, I never would show up with ready clothes and crust in my eyes. But if that's who I was and I embodied that with a level of confidence, like this is who I am, I probably would be surprised by how many more people are like, look, you need to clean that crust out and let me, let me take you all to Macy's and get some clothes. But, but mm-hmm. you're all right. So people are, people are thirsty. People are hungry for the authentic. Because we get tired of wearing these freaking masks. We get tired of, you know, showing up, okay, this is how I have to show up and this is how I have to be. So to see someone who gives you permission to go, yeah, you can be who you are. You know, that that's we get to exhale in those moments. Yeah. And, and not, not a lot of us are exhaling right now because right. we're trying to keep up appearances, as, as you know. Mm-hmm. And, and that, and 
really the authenticity of the person is where the, the, the true beauty of humanity really lies. So if, if I, if I were to have said to you, and yes, this is a program that doesn't allow profanity aired, but if I were to say, if I were to say to anybody, you or anybody, uh, yeah, you, you have to do your best to curtail your language. Mm-hmm. You know how you know how raw you have been in this interview. Mm-hmm. You know how you mentally would be. You'd yeah. say, "Okay, I don't think I could say this. I don't think I could say that." You start to censor yourself sure. before you put it out there. Right. And it and it and it goes to your point. That's not being your true, authentic self. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. But the but the flip side of that is, you know, in, in this in this scenario, I'm in your house. So right. in your house, I'm going to respect your house and and, right. and your rules, as opposed to hey, if you come in my house, you you gonna get it all. So mm-hmm. so yeah, you you temper it based on you know the situation that you're in, but mm-hmm. but I, but it's you know it's letting the person you know it's, it's being clear with the person, communicating this is who I am, mm-hmm. you know this is who I am, but I respect the fact that I'm in your house. Right. Yeah. The creator of Awakening to Love, James A. Valentine, is this week's guest on Revelations. Wow, this, this I'm enjoying this conversation I appreciate a that, lot. You, you've dropped nugget after nugget throughout <laughs> this whole interview. Uh, so I'm going to segue into this segment called Bring to Light. So why did you feel the need to create the vehicle that is called Awakening to Love? I felt the need because I had to make sure not only, you know, as I said, I had, you know, that experience, that jail experience was about what happened. How can I make sure this never happens again? But then also I would, I remember telling myself several times there has to be a purpose that comes from, from this. Like it, it can't just be that, that this happened and I found out some things about myself and now I'm better. No, I always believe that everything that we experience is not just for us, but it's for, for others as well. And so I wanted to create a vehicle where people could get the, like I, like for me, the answer, um, and I, you know, I debate this with some people, but for me, when you truly know the power of love, it, it can heal so much. And, but the other part of that, Cole, is when you see, um, when you find out who you are and, and realize who you were not, and then you start seeing it around you and you start seeing people going through painful experiences and hurt and, and all these types of experiences that they don't have to, that was, that was what Awakening to Love was birthed out of, wanting to create healing Wanted to wanting to facilitate healing in the life of people who were who were tired, who were hurting, who were trying to figure out. I'm doing the same thing. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm doing what they say to do, and I'm still 
you know, I wanted to help people find the answer right. um, the same way I did without, right. without having, without having to go through what I went through. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the beauty of creating a platform that you're most passionate about, because l- let's be completely honest, the, the platforms that we create are normally birthed from whatever the biggest vice we lived beforehand. Right. And when you see someone going into that, that same realm, yeah, your heart just empathizes with them and, and you want to, you want to throw the lifeline and say, no, 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 you don't want to go that route. Believe, believe me. <laughs> I got the receipts as to what will happen if you do. Yeah, I, I totally get that. So awakening to love is, uh, hmm, how can I ask this? Uh, I'm assuming this is, uh, where the, the, the life coach aspect comes into play here. Yes. Yes. All right. So what do you offer in awakening to love from the coaching aspect? Well, awakening to love is the umbrella. Um, and when I first came, when I first emerged from that experience, I will, I branded myself as a spiritual life coach because I had, I had studied so many spiritual traditions all centered around love. Um, again, study things from a neuroscience standpoint, quantum physics standpoint. Then I transitioned into, um, under that umbrella, manifesting love, wholeness, and life with, with James Valentine. So my, my platform now is, is teaching people how to um, manifest the love, you know, the wholeness, whether that's mental, emotional, physical healing, and the life that they want. Um, that love relationship with themselves, that love relationship with others, but kind of taking those pain points of what people are going through and pointing them in the direction of being able to manifest whatever it is that they want. Mm. It almost sounds like to me is as if you're telling your client, I'm giving you permission to be fully who you are. Absolutely. And I am the vehicle that will be, a, that, that will allow you the safest of spaces for you to get there. Absolutely. That is awesome. And speaking of providing a platform that provides a safe space, mm-hmm. why don't we talk about whom I think is the most important person in your life, your daughter? Ooh, that's my one right there. I don't think I have to ask how important, but just go on about how much your daughter means to you and all of what you create. Ooh, that is, that is, that is something. Um, my daughter, I, I attribute her to saving my life um, because while while I was in that that jail experience, uh, being separated from the one person, like I, not feeling loved by anybody or anything, that little girl loved, and she to this day, you know, you see that she loved and loves her dad. So to be separated from her was really a great catalyst for me to go. I really got to figure this thing out because I can't deal with, with being separated from, from her. Um, but the, the, the biggest part of that was being able to see her consciousness. Like I alluded before that I saw her through the eyes of who I was as a child, not wanting her to experience. So it was a slight shift and, and a lot of people won't recognize it because we've always had this amazing, amazing relationship, but I'm now able to see her for who she is. And mm. able to aid her in her journey and whatever that looks like and 
support, you know, being prepared to support her through her mistakes and her her victories and things of that sort. But now she's she's no longer little James. She's she's her own person. <laughs> she's her own person, and she is just she represents for me. Um, when I was, you know, when I was in that experience, she represented for me love. Because I say everyone represents an aspect of you. Every relationship in your life represents an aspect of you to a lesser or greater degree. For me, she represented love. She represented love in, in its purest form. Um, and, and that, you know, that, that continues to this day. That is my, that is my, my absolute heart. That is my absolute heart. The funniest person I know is probably one of the smartest persons I know at, at her age. Um, just, you know, she, she now has, but she's also a way for me to pour the love that I am and that I have into her and, and, and vice versa. Now, I never look for, you know, part of loving yourself is you love because that's who you are. But it also mm-hmm. feels good when somebody pours that back into you. So. Oh, you know, just that, that love relationship and being a father, like even the parenting relationship that I had growing up with the father not knowing, not knowing if he was going to be there and that, or, you know, it means everything in the world to be able to, to be that parent that, you know, I moved, you know, I, you know, not only married her mother for that reason, but I moved to Delaware to be close to her. And, and I go to the PTA meetings, and I, I look. We, we, I go to birthday parties with her friends, and like I meet the parents. I, it's important for me to be engaged in her, not just being a dad to go. Hey, oh, great! You had a, You went to a birthday. No, I'm at the birthday party. Um, so, and also as a consequence, because you know I don't do it for this reason. I can see. I can see two things that come out of this call. I can see in the way women respond how much they they didn't have that. Right. And so for me, I'm kind of like a symbol for them. But then also I'm an example for men at the same time of, of what loving your, your child and being there for your child and, and showing up for your child looks like, just as a consequence, because my relationship with my daughter would be my relationship with my daughter if there's no Facebook, Instagram, whatever. It's right. just, it just is what it is. But I'm glad I'm able to also have that platform to be able to show that, yeah, there's some good fathers, good men out there that are trying to figure this thing out. And that is the beautiful aspect about having someone that is more important to you than even you are. Uh, Because it, it, you need to have that, that force that, that makes you understand, wow, there's something greater than me. She may know it, she may not know it, but just in, just in your actions, if that entity exists, it's going to pull out of you a greater sense of who you are. Yeah. And it's going to make you achieve things that you, before she even existed in your life, that you could have possibly ever thought. And that, and that's why it's so beautiful that you, you're honest with what you have been. Mm. You now have this platform where you're all about showing love. Mm. And, yes. and teaching love and demonstrating yes. love and showing yes. that everybody can have this and you have the perfect reason as to why that is the case. And oh, you have yeah. the perfect motivation for it too. Oh yeah. Cause I want to leave, I want to leave some, my, my whole purpose and my whole goal is to leave footsteps for her to walk in as she grows on her. Whether that's cause, 
you know, my daughter talked to her about everything. Everything I believe she has an understanding of, uh, I talked to her about. So I, I look forward to sharing her, you know, the journey I just shared with, share with, with, with you. Um, she's, you know, she's in the book as this book is dedicated to my daughter, no matter where I'm in the world. Just know daddy loves you. That's, that's the, at the very beginning of my book. Um, but I want to leave footsteps in the, in the earth for her to go, whether she's, whether she comes across some challenges, um, that she can go, you know what? I can look at my daddy and see what my daddy went through and see where my daddy's at now and know that I can, you know, I can push through as well. So I'm going to leave some footprints in the air for her to work in. Wow, I mean, that's all the time I have. I wish I could go on with this wonderful guest because, man, I'm having a wonderful conversation and a great time. Uh, but uh, we are at our last segment, which is called Plug Tuning. And yes, this is in honor of De La Soul. Uh, so for those who need to reach you, uh, sir, where can the good people find you? Uh, two places, um, www.awakening2love, that's T-O, love.org And then my, um, Facebook group, which is manifesting love, wholeness, and life with James Valentine the best-selling author of Relationship Chronicles and the creator of Awakening to Love, James A. Valentine. Uh, James, thank you so much for this time on Revelations. I really enjoyed it. Thank you, Cole. put in the verb to display or show a quality or feeling of one's acts or appearance or demonstrate the adjective version of manifest means clear or obvious to the eye or mind and it goes perfectly with love because love is an action word manifest also seems to be an action word as well the word says therefore if anyone is in Christ he is a new creation the old has passed away Behold, the new has come. And when you have someone to guide you in that way, it helps. And that's a loving thing. Many thanks to James for his platform and his time. And you can catch all of what he is about in the show notes. For changing the world one conversation at a time. I'm Cole Johnson, and this has been... Revelation. For more on Revelations, go to Pippa, spelled P-I-P-P-A dot I-O, and all podcast directories. Music by Lakey Inspired.